Good evening. Is uh, is Gabriel here? talking about uh, just secrets that you know, uh, perhaps, of, of cultivating the, the greater awareness of the presence of God in our lives. I mean, it, it, we have a lot of scripture and a lot of data, but, you know, we're talking, I, I use the term boots on the ground, you know, when you really are up against it and you need and are drawing on the presence of God, you know, what what have you done? And I guess that's what we're looking for. So we certainly are looking to draw the presence of God and not in any way be offensive. I've been thinking about pride. Maybe I'll say that later, but pride is an enemy of the presence of God. So let's approach the Lord tonight with an open heart and a humility of mind. We don't know what He wants to do. Right? He may... He may do way above and beyond our expectations. So, Lord, trust you now for this service, Lord, and the guidance to be directed from your Holy Spirit. We hold up the service across the river that you would anoint their gathering as well. Join our hearts together unto you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Richard has us all quaking in our shoes because at lunch he said, if you're not anointed, sit down. So, um. <laughs> so, safe at this point. Um, I guess what I had heard was to talk about practical ways of cultivating um, your relationship in the presence of the Lord. I think based off of opening this morning. Um, one of the things that came to mind right away was just to show up. And not to show up with a pout, like, I'm here. But to show up with a willingness, willing heart. And um, a scripture that came to mind is Psalm 19. Because when we come into the presence of the Lord, there really are two things that are really important to lay before him. And that's the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our heart. And to seek him for um, what to say and what to think about a situation. So Psalm 1914 says it very clearly. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And some translations say, my rock and my redeemer. And what this means to me is that when we come to him and we know that perhaps our words have offended or our heart has been off, that he is our redeemer and that he is the rock that can bring us back into that place of being acceptable to him. And um, so this is the practical thing that we can do is when we sense the fact that we could be off or that we've hurt someone, that we come to him and we say, Lord, my redeemer, please touch me and make my words and my thoughts again be acceptable to you. When I asked the Lord what I would share, which I had no intention of doing, but I felt it was only faithful to ask. <laughs> he said, uh, well, one practical thing you can do is show up. And Lynn just said that. And she said, not with a pout. And what I felt like the Lord said to me was, in faith. Because we can't just show up. <laughs> but showing up in faith is another thing. And um, the other thing I felt like the Lord spoke to me was that he was a rock, which you also just said. Anyway, um, I was in Psalm 42 and 43 and 44. And um, let me see. I don't know where to stop. Start. Um, verse 6 in 42, or maybe 5, maybe 4. <laughs> 
you know, we have a song that we sometimes sing, and one of the verses is, um, you know, tremble me from branch to root. I'm sorry, I never sing that anymore. And I, I love you, and I love the Lord, and I love the person who wrote the song, and it's a good song. And you know what? It doesn't really matter that I don't sing it because I still get trembled from branch to root, so don't worry. Um, and I feel like I've been trembled from branch to root in a few areas lately. And I'm actually going to start in verse 3, <laughs> Psalm 42. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is your God? <laughs> and they that say that are the, in your own mind, by the way, not somebody out there. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. And that's another practical thing you can do. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. <clears throat> and verse 7, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song... shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life I will say unto God my rock because you need a rock when you're trembled from branch to root anyway skipping down to 11 why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou disquieted within me hope thou in God now, I feel like there's been some situations that feel super hopeless to me. And I have felt hopeless about them, and maybe you have too. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was a boost to me this morning to hear Mary say that about her sister. Because I confess, there was a lot of hopelessness in me when I heard the situation. And, you know, you, all you can do is lift that up to the Lord. And <clears throat> that is a boost to see the Lord move in a hopeless situation. That is a miracle. And we have other places where we feel hopeless and that look hopeless. And um, what else can we do but call unto the Lord and remember that he is a rock and he can move. And he does move. And I don't know how he's going to answer those things that I have on my heart and you have on your heart. But um, he is a rock. And our hope is in him. I, I thought the same thing this morning when Mary um, got up and when I was praying about the topic. That is what I felt too. Um, was just... I don't know her at all. Um, my connection is through you. Um, but just to acknowledge the places in our lives that the Lord has blessed us, the little and the big. Um, there's that scripture, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see his goodness in the land of the living. And I, I just thought, wow, that is amazing that he touched Mary's sister of cancer. Um, and taking time 
throughout the day to dwell and rehearse those things. Um, like Oshia said, you just have what um, you just have today to deal with. So rehearse the things that have happened today. I don't mean there's wonderful things and the ways that he's blessed us in the past too, but from the little like my kid listened to me or responded when, the first time when I told him to do something to Mary's sister being healed of cancer. Take, take time and dwell on those things each day. Well, a long time ago when I came to Alaska, the word I heard was, come out and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And that's the first thing I thought of when Brother Richard mentioned what we were going to be talking about, because I've been thinking about that a lot, because I've been around a lot of people for the last couple of months that um, <coughs> have walked with the Lord for a long time, and I've seen a lot of changes, some for the good and some for the bad. And, you know, when I think about being separate, the first thing I want to do in my mind is make a list. And when I moved up to Alaska a long time ago, my life took a drastic change. And I think it was for the best. I did a lot of things I wouldn't have done on my own because we had an order on the farm. And, and we've seen that the order sort of be fulfilled and we've seen it sort of go away. But for those that love the Lord, it hasn't made a difference. Because for those that love the Lord, they don't need the order. You know, that sometimes I look around, I, on my trip, I would see people, they would be doing this, and I, that was not on my list. But they would be doing something else, which was on my list. And, but that didn't seem to necessarily be what was keeping them with the Lord, keeping their relationship with the Lord. Um, I wish it was so easy just to make a list and keep the list. But what does it mean to be separate? And that's what's been on my heart. And I just want to read one scripture. And it's in 2 Corinthians 6. Because I've been thinking about this a lot, even before today. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And when it comes to separating yourself, from the thing that God speaks to you, because what he speaks to you and what he speaks to me might be different things. And I've had to reconcile myself with that, but to, to separate myself usually involves doing something that my flesh does not want to do. And am I willing to make that sacrifice? And um, I just wanna read one more scripture. You know, we want God to answer our prayers, but you know that's 
probably not the highest thing on his priority list um, to answer what I think needs to be answered, but he will always do the right thing. Um, in Luke, let's see, it's chapter 6. It's, it's a version of the Beatitudes in Luke. It's the, one of the lesser common versions. In verse 20, and it says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Jesus said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And I look around and I see people that are poor, and we're not talking about money, but poor in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. I see a lot of hungry people. We have the best food in the world, but I see a lot of hungry people. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Just because things aren't comfortable doesn't mean they're wrong. In fact, it might mean they're right. One thing that I really appreciated about Brother Buddy's ministry, if I would boil it down to what he left to me, it would be hear and obey. He didn't leave a list of, you gotta wear this, don't wear that, you have to have your hair this way, and you have to um, go here and you can't go there and you have to do this. He didn't do that, but he said hear and obey. And I've always found that if I do that, my relationship with God is solid. Not always happy, but it's solid. So with this idea of a practical way to have a relationship with God, for me it's coming out and be separate in the way that he speaks to me. And I can't compare you with me and what you're doing with what I'm doing and vice versa. But what is God speaking to me? Will I hear and will I obey? I literally never do this. Um, so I had a conversation uh, a little bit earlier this year with Ben Savaggio. Um when I was telling him how I felt like the Lord um, has been removing all of my props, all of, the, all of my lists for having a relationship with him. And I think, I think what we have, what, the first thing we have to do is let go of our, the imagination that we have of who God is and what a relationship with him looks like. Um, it reminded me of the scripture in First Corinthians, which it says, um, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as I am known. And I think um, as we mature or whatever, God requires us to let go of a lot of 
our imagination of who he is. And so then we can actually see clearly and actually have a mature relationship with God. thinking practical ways to come before the Lord and one of the first thoughts that come to my mind was obedience you know it's a real common word for all of us but it also starts at the beginning of the Bible and it works its way all the way through And I was reading in in 2 Corinthians, and I'll I'll start in verse 12. It says, uh, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. And... uh, You know, we're we're talking about a like a father and a son relationship there, and a and a son can always catch the eye of the father and has the feeling for the boundary lines and what pleases the father and and uh, he's he's talking here about not only in my presence but also much more in my absence. And and the real proving ground is when you're you're left alone to go your way, are you going to walk in the truth? Do you know the boundary lines? Do you know the limitations? Or it's, it's not just a kick out time whenever the The government's not there watching over you. It's really the proving ground. That God is looking to have us all come into, you know, we're we're not just on bread, but you're moving into a a meat area. Where you're you're coming into the responsibility of walking in the spirit, it's your own. It's your own discernment of the ways, of the responses. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. 
do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. That's what your father's looking to bring you up into. Not a murmur, not a complaint. Um, that you may be blameless and harmless. You know, God's looking for you to be his representation. And, it, and if there's just, there, there's, there's no light in murmuring and complaining. It, it's, it has no fruit in it. Nothing that's going to sustain you. Um, that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. There's no correction needed. You're a son grown up in his youth. Because you've been obedient and you've, you've come under that to the point where you walk that way under the anointing of it. <clears throat> it, it concludes here as, um, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shall shine as the light of the world. And we are really called to be the light of the world. And the light of the world is really putting behind the ways of the world. The old man is crooked and perverse and it's only getting worse. And you know, it, it all starts, it all starts with obedience. Hearing the word and walking in it. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And one of the things that we can do every day is diligently seek him. Um, I've been thinking a lot about a verse in uh, Matthew 18, it's verse 9. Um, and if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes be cast into hell. Um, and you know, I've never seen a Christian with one eye because they pluck the other one out. I'm not sure that that's meant literally, but what I do think it means is that you have the capacity to turn the way you see something inside. It is so hard when we see death,
it's hard when we see a loved one turn away. It's hard when we see the hand of God apparently delay. And it's really hard when you know you've been praying. So how do you see that kind of stuff? It's a question. It's necessary sometimes to literally take your eye and make it single. It says in Matthew 6, if your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. Um, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to strive for. It's an entirely unusual thing for it to be a, like that all the time. And I think that the Holy Spirit is really grooming sons, all of us, to the place where it really will be an all-the-time thing. Um, where our hope doesn't waver, despite the evidence. He is a rewarder. That's what it says in Hebrews 11.6. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And you gotta, we've got to put our hope past what we see. We have to keep our hope anchored in the veil, literally. What does that mean? Well, it's out there somewhere. <laughs> you can't really see it. You can't really define it. You haven't got any reason to be happy. You don't have any reason to be joyful. Full of love, full of faith. Um, the next verse in Matthew 18 is take heed that you despise not one of these little ones for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my father who is in heaven and our children are watching for real life we tell them all the right stuff we fill their heads with all the right kind of words but what they're really looking for is the way we are. Um, and it is that which will keep them if they're going to be kept. And God is God. He does what he does. I mean, you know. But I do know that you'll never regret having a single eye. An eye that's kept on the Lord Jesus. So I'll speak from here. Um, I thought one of the <clears throat> points from what Oshia shared this morning was um, just for today and what God gives you for today, use. And I, I think that's a really key point for us. And for myself in particular, I think sometimes you can try to second guess yourself um, before you do something, before you give something before you speak and I think the Lord is interested in us pointing out with our whole heart every day. Whatever he gives you for today give it out and I thought um, you know, the children are all very familiar with this story but it's a good example of what happened when the children of Israel gathered the manna 
and try to keep some. Who can tell me what happened when they did that, any of the children? What happened to the manna that they tried to keep? It's boiled. Right. You're right. It's boiled. It had worms. Um, so what you have today, give with your whole heart. And I thought of this verse that we're all very familiar with. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so there may be food in my house. And test me now of this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And I really feel that it's a great spiritual principle to live by. Every single day, even in the days when you don't necessarily feel like it, you don't feel like going the extra mile, you don't feel like you might have anything to give, but you always have something to give and to be faithful for about. Somehow I missed the, the memo of the topic tonight, but um, in spite of my lurking on Facebook occasionally today. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about throughout the summer, the scripture just keeps, or this line from the scripture just keeps going in my mind, um, and that is, cast out the scorner. And I don't know, it just was like running in my head. Uh, probably in response to the, you know, just the, the internal battle that I'm sure most of us face from time to time. Um, and I, would, I, I finally looked it up, and that word scorner, one of the definitions of it is to, to interpret, like an interpreter. Like in other words, there's always, there's always another... Um, well, the enemy is always ministering to us, right? Like, there's always uh, a, another interpretation of what's happening in our lives. Um, that's a different perspective than God has. And we know that, yet, I mean, I know that, yet somehow I spend an, embarrassingly, an embarrassing amount of time just battled in my perspective. And so another thing I was thinking about... Um, in regard to the, the presence of the Lord and how do you, like, um, how do you, like, boots on the ground? That's what Nelson said to me. Cultivate, yeah. Because um, I was reading this morning in, I think, it's in, I think it was in Luke, about the woman and the unjust judge. And the judge says, um, I, I'm going to give her what she wants. Um, uh, how does it go? Because <clears throat> I mean, because her, her continual her continual coming, unless I be weary by her continual coming, that's how it goes. 
And I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about the continual, continual coming. And I was thinking about how much we are, we really are, like no one comes to the Father except, except he draws, right? But there's a little, there's a thing, this, this thing about continually coming to the Lord. Um, like that is something, because I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, the, 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 the paradox of we can't do it, God does it for us, or like it's God's work, right? Um, yet we have a responsibility, we have a part to play. And I think that part to play is the continual coming. And, and I was thinking today, like if, if it's even coming to your mind, Amy, to seek the Lord, then do it. Like that's the drawing of the Lord. If it's, either, if, if it's even occurring to me, to come to the Lord, to say, God, ah, I need help, or here I am again, um, that is like, then do it. Like the, uh, the thing about obedience, I think is super important. Um, and then the other scripture I was thinking about was that one in Psalm 72, very familiar, where David is really bothered by the wicked. I don't know, I'm not, not so much bothered by the wicked as I am by people much closer <laughs> to home, <laughs> which I wouldn't classify as wicked. I mean, I'd be kind of presumptuous. But just he doesn't understand what's happening, and he says, I was, oh shoot, I think it wasn't 72, until I came into the sanctuary of the Lord. Until I, until I came into, I, didn't, I did not understand, until I came into the sanctuary of the Lord. And that is what, like the idea of the presence of the Lord um, being a weapon. Like that was kind of like, I was like, well, that's really a weird way to say that or a weird way to think about that. But I think the idea of it is a defense because once you're in there, you're not a prey to everything else, to that interpreter who's out there trying to cast dispersions and scorn, be scornful of everything that the Lord is doing in our lives. Well, I didn't know it was a sharing night either, so it's good. Um, the scriptures, I like to listen to the Bible in the morning. As opposed to reading, I like to just listen to it. And um, <clears throat> this morning, I was listening to uh, these verses in Psalms, and I'll read it to you. Psalm 62. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then in verse 5, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is in him. And Chris Bailey wrote a song about had that line in it that came to my mind this morning. <clears throat> he is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And um, I think, you know, what I was looking at salvation is uh, meaning, a couple meanings for that preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss, um, deliverance from sin, its consequences, um, deliverance from the power and effects of sin, you know, spiritual and 
I like this one, something that prevents danger, loss, or harm. And um, the way that scripture is written, um, my soul search only for God, or you know, my, my salvation is only in God. And that word only, um, you know, God takes us to a lot of extremes, or lets us take ourselves to extremes to really believe that. I think everybody here probably would say that. I mean, I believe that, but I don't always believe it for today in this situation. I handle the situation, you know, and it's, um, you know, I think when, when, when things are just clearly overwhelming or too great for you or for me, we go, oh, we only want you, God. <laughs> At least I do. And, and, um, and it's merciful of God to keep letting us recognize that. But, um, you know, that again. Uh, to really have your soul waiting upon God and to wait only upon God for, you know, having your expectation be in Him, that means like all your expectation. Like your only hope is in God. Your only, uh, <clears throat> your only satisfaction is in God. Your only deliverance is in God. All of it is bundled up in Him. And um, I don't know I, that like, that came on. I listened to it three or four times this morning before breakfast. And then um, you know, Shia said some of those things. I didn't even know she was what she was going to talk about. But um, having God be your rock, I think, is a something that God brings us to to recognize as we continue walking and we come to we come to love that place of just total security and total dependence but um, it's you know having that be our first response and having that be our first even in what could be menial situations or things that we don't really think I, mean, I hate to say it this way think we don't think we need to include God in like you know I think just training and having that be our first response that we really, even when we could make a decision or we could address something, we want to rely on God because he's the only real deliverance, the only real answer. And you know, that, that was that was just impressed upon me this morning and trying to trying to implement that in my life. And, and I think there's fruit when we do. You know? Briefly, um, I think God has us all in situations where we eventually, sooner or later, become pressed out of measure. And um, we heard some of that in the opening today, and dry, dry places and the, the things that, that we cannot sidestep. And I think when we're in those places with God, and, you know, we have, a lot of us like to keep our options open. We, we can become a master of keeping our options open to the point where we never will commit. But I think, I think the presence of God really grows in our life. In those places, in, in those times, when, you know, I think Ron said this, when you're alone and, and it looks bleak um, and you hold, hold to God, you cut yourself off from other alternatives, other options. And that's what Jacob did, right? Says he was left alone. And I don't know what all he was just left alone. 
sent his family ahead and he was left alone. And it doesn't say what that means, but when you are left alone, it can be very lonely and isolating. I think God is watching to see, will we hold to obedience? Will we, will, will, will we make him our only source of refuge at that time? And that's what Jacob did. He, I mean, he wrestled all night. And, and God touched him. So, good point. Somebody already said this, and it's very short. Um, I just, when I read this, I on Facebook today, the only thought that came to my head, and I haven't really had any more since, but was um, just that if you want to cultivate a relationship with anyone, you need to get the focus off yourself. And so, like a good practical way to cultivate a relationship is to be focused on others, and be focused on the Lord. Um, so. That's what I came with. Yeah, when I read that um, on Facebook as well, uh, I thought, like Josiah said, if you really want a relationship with someone, you have to spend time with them. And over the years, you know, I've been a Christian a long time, and sometimes my relationship with the Lord has waxed and waned. And something I found in my own life, it may sound simplistic, I don't want it to sound like a rule or anything, but um, in Psalm 5, verse 3 in the Amplified, it says, In the morning you hear my voice, O Lord. In the morning I prepare a prayer, a sacrifice for you, and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. And, you know, I've found in my life that if I do that, like if I make an effort to do that, it doesn't have to be in the morning, but literally, you know, not just go through the day and I've been with the Lord all day, but like just take some time, like I take time with Abel. You know, if I just go by him all day and pass him, you know, we don't have a, much of a relationship, but if we sit and talk and have time together, and it isn't, I mean, it's just something that's really blessed my life. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was, many of you know was a pastor in Germany and during World War II. And he formed like a little community, a clandestine community to train pastors uh, right under the eyes of the Nazis. And he wrote a beautiful little book called Living Together. And something I read in there that I, I actually just picked this up and read it again the other day, this particular quote. Uh, he was talking to his pastoral candidates or whatever, and he said, we need to train ourselves to set apart a regular hour, doesn't have to be an hour, but a regular time for meditation, prayer, intercession. 
This is not legalism. It is orderliness and fidelity. And I find that if I do that, it just makes a huge difference in my life. And in my day, it, things come up and I'm prepared for them more than when I don't watch and wait for him to speak to my heart. Um, I think we all love the presence of the Lord. It's one of our favorite places to be. Um, there are times when it's great and terrible, and so then we think something different. But the scripture that comes to me is that he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And at the risk of repeating a story that you guys might be tired of, I just, in a personal experience, when I went through a very hard time, I was saying all the time, I mean, go for walks and do these things to be by myself, to be alone with God and seek God. But mainly what I would say was, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And anyway, I just, <laughs> things got worse, not better. But this probably some of you remember this one day when I was at the root cellar by myself, sorting the rotten potatoes from the good ones. And that's when, you know, the little root cellar, sitting in a bucket with a little tiny light bulb that I was glad worked. Um, I just had this impression, the Lord in the corner watching me, saying to me, I was there all the time. And I saw this vision of this, the sandbox that we had there at the shop, kind of that grubby little sandbox, and me saying, where are you? And like the Lord being close behind me, but every time I said, where are you? He just took a step backwards until basically he was out of view. And um, so anyway, what I felt he said to me, as you all probably remember, was that I wasn't ever to say that to him again. Where are you? But that was very stern to me personally. But that I could say, I know you're here. I can't see you. Please help me see you. Please help me to know.
Uh, again, just, uh, I don't, that wasn't dramatic, I really wasn't paying. Um, I, I was trying to draw sympathy and all that. I'm just, <laughs> it is the weirdest thing because I just stepped out of the side by side and my leg collapsed. I mean, there wasn't, a, I didn't step on a stone, I didn't have an accident, I didn't do anything dramatic or violent or anything. And, but David Brooks has given me very good advice and that is to keep on moving. And I think that's pretty much what we need to do in order to continually look, to be aware continually of the presence of the Lord like Karen was talking about. To be aware of it is to, to you keep moving towards him because if you're moving towards the goal, you're moving towards the center, you're moving towards the one that you want to be with, then you are with him unless he shows you what is obstructing that possibility. And he does do that. But I, the first thing I thought of was the eye of the hurricane. And the eye of the hurricane is a still, still, still place with all the great chaos all around it. And there's these guys that drive, that fly their plane. They're not just guys, they're very skilled pilots. They fly their planes through the hurricane and all the noise and all the crashing of the winds and all this, you know, they fly into towards the center and measure and then report back to the ground what's happening in the hurricane. And they actually have film footage of that, which is just amazing. It's the whole thing is shaking and they're just, well, we have <laughs> certain, you know, we have this one thing to report and not, you know. And then finally they break through into the center and it's completely calm. Completely, and that kind of reminded me of what Amy was talking about, where there's just constant barrage, 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 barrage. But once you've been in the center, you know where to go. Once you know what it's like, you go. You really want to go there. There's a a, po a poet who um, described what the world was like. I, I like poets because they usually have a good bead on what's happening in the world without talking too much about it. And um, it was W.B. Yeats in Ireland in you know, last beginning of the 20th century. He said, things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is lost. The best lack all conviction while the worst are filled with passionate intensity. And if that doesn't describe the world that we see today, but that only also just confirms it's the human condition. It is the human condition that does not turning to God and not going to God. And that center is holding. It says in Psalm 33, oh, it would help to put your glasses on. And it says in Psalm 33, where did it go? Anyway, it says in Psalm 33 that 
those that, that fear the Lord, uh, his, uh, his eye is on those that fear the Lord, is what the center of his being, that his eye is looking upon you. Those that fear the Lord, those that are proceeding with the caution that they serve a living God and they know that he will respond. It's the knowledge that he will respond to you personally and you have the option to respond to him personally. And that, that power connection is a very fearsome thing. Um, but it also is the most fulfilling thing that you will ever and I will ever do, is to respond to him and for us to respond, for him to respond to us. And that is the center of where we're going, where it's the presence of God and we're all going to be there. I think that's part of it, that we're all going to be there. All in. Practical ways to cultivate relationship connection to the Lord. I don't think that there is a practical way to cultivate a relationship with an unseen being who demands all of your everything. I, and I kind of think that that's the point, is that it has to be so impractical and so out of the norm and require a devotion so deliberate from us that, that that's how it's genuine from us. And I think that as we do that and as we seek him out, because setting aside the time to do that, it, it just there's not a portion on the men or the women's schedule where time is allotted for that. But it's only as we do that that I think that we seek him to find him. Real quick, I like what Lewis was saying, because I was thinking about it, and I was just like, man, this is like actually most everything dealing with the Lord. Um, it's hard to describe, um, because he is not seen, and it's something, it's one of those things where if you know, you know, and if you don't, it's hard to, disc it's hard to like bridge that gap. Um, but in, but I do think, uh, John Cheever said this a lot, and I think it's important, like he understands where we are in, in our failings and uh, just starting, you know, reaching out to him and attempting to connect with him in any way that makes sense to us. Um, he can work with, he can work with that. Um, so there's no right or wrong way. It's just, it's kind of like what Diana was saying, it's just move forward, just do it. Um, 
and and you know for me per like and and also you know he's the one that draws us we can't manufacture a relationship with the lord we can't even have the idea to want a relationship with the lord unless he puts it in into our heart um and then he also gives us the ability to do it when he to, to actually follow through with it when he actually draws with it and when he actually draws us so um again difficult to talk about it because our role is very limited in this relationship and in this life. Um, you know, Becky was talking about the uncomfortable things, and everyone suffers. Everyone's uncomfortable. Um, I find for myself in the in times past, especially that I've tried, I've treated my relationship with the Lord as a buffer against suffering, or you know, a a, um, a solution to suffering. I guess you can say, you know, if I if I do things right with the Lord. It's not that suffering won't happen to me, but I'll, I will be able to uh, fly through it, not being affected by it. Um, and there's, I think we as, I think that's the big, the big uh, issue is that we as humans we desperately want to have control. And even in our relationship with the Lord, we you know we kind of use our relationship with the Lord as a way to get control. And at the root of it, it's just our human nature. And I think our human nature mixed with godly principles is really, really bad. All that to say, just start, you know, reach out to him. And there are some practical uh, signs that maybe we don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so, you know, we can, we can you know, it can raise a little red flag in our hearts or in our minds. And we can turn back to him. You know, one is fear. Uh, fear is a big one. If I don't have, if I'm not rightly connected with the Lord, I'm overrun by fear. Um, the way I treat other people is a big, you know, is you know, if I'm treating them in a way that is not respectful, ugly, tearing them down, you know, uh, hateful, you know, if I'm feeling hate in my heart or frustration, anger towards someone, uh, or even just writing them off, like just not valuing them at all. It's a sign that maybe the presence, I'm not rightly connected with the presence of the Lord because he loves everyone um, and cares deeply for them. Uh, I was trying to think. I had a, a whole list of things. I know lists are bad. Uh, but, a whole, but those were the main ones that come to mind. You know, how we talk, interact with one another, how we treat one another is a big... Um, uh, being willing to take correction or input from other people. If we can't, it just should be a sign. Maybe I'm not rightly connected with the Lord. And we don't, a lot of good things we don't have to get down on ourselves about it. We just turn back to him. One thing I say in the morning in my head is, uh, Lord, I'm giving you my mind, my body today. And I just kind of go over that over until I feel like I actually mean it. And it actually connects in, you know, from my mind into my heart. And it's simple, but it's something that I felt the Lord's put in my heart to say. And it's, and it's made a big difference because it, it kind of settles all of the... the uh, the back and forth in my mind and the in and outs trying to like figure everything out and I think a lot of what relating to him is very simple um, and and it's just a matter of doing it and moving forward and not and not like following some prescription really quickly. 
Um, just what Patrick was saying, the scripture that has been on my heart, and I think that this is it's just to echo what Patrick is saying. In Psalm 31, verse 5, it says, I re- and I recently discovered the scripture, and I thought it was Jesus. He did say it, but David says it. He says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And that is, there's one practical thing that's been on my heart and that I've been doing is that, like, just all the complicated, the doctrine, all that kind of fading away and just into your hand, I commit my spirit, my questions, my emotions, my feelings, my troubles, my everything. And I, and I physically imagine and like, I, I submit my spirit. I put my spirit in your hands. Lord, my redeemer, who redeems all that humanity. That's on him to take that humanity, to take the failings, to take the questions, to take the emotions, to take all that. He redeems that when I put my spirit in his hands. very good tonight. A lot of very good things. Practical things. There was a farm in Colombia that had this rule on sharing rice uh, that uh, that uh, after the last spoken person spoke, the elders needed to wait 10 to 15 minutes to get up and give their word. So yeah, yeah, like the, there was a family gathering, I guess where they asked that, you know, sometimes there was just, there needed to be more of a pause to let people decide to be sure that they weren't going to share. So, let's just wait a minute here. <laughs> I think, uh, 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 Lewis, you know, said that it's, it's impractical uh, to think that we can come up with a way of knowing how to please the Lord, um, <clears throat> but uh, things that uh, that we know, uh, and you know, Lynn started out saying, "You got to come to Him. You got to show up. You got to be there and realize that God is our rock. He is our Redeemer, and He will. He is doing His part to draw us and bring us." Uh, to him so that he can uh, be, as Ben said, our salvation and be the one who will deliver us and who will fulfill his work in us. And um, I think, uh, you know, we're all in this life and the chaos of what we find ourselves, we are looking for answers and for help from God. And it's essential that we learn to continue to come back and to not not stop uh, going to him. But uh, one, one, one thing that I thought of tonight, um, you know, when, when the people of Israel were making a decision where they should go in and possess the land, um, they, uh, they heard a lot of interpretations of what the land was like. You know, some brought a good report, some said, ah, I don't think so. I'm sure they, they had a lot of different committee gatherings and got a lot of different opinions on what the land looked like. 
But um, one thing that, that uh, Joshua said to all of them, uh, short little line here that I think is essential for when we find ourselves not sure as to what's happening or whether we should go in or we should go back. Um, Caleb, Caleb, you know, gathers the people and, you know, pretty dramatic, at least the Bible describes it as a very dramatic time. And I'm sure that it was, they were, you know, deciding whether they're going to go in or not. And, um, you know, they're going to get a leader to take them back to Egypt. And, you know, why did we come here? You know, uh, we had it better in Egypt. There are all these questions as to about what was happening. And, uh, we might as well just go back and, you know, uh, Caleb and Moses tore their clothes off. That's dramatic. You know, lay down on the floor with their faces down. Um, you know, pretty dramatic time of decision and what was happening. But Joshua says to them, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And if, if the Lord delights in you, if his delight is in you, he will make sure to bring you through whatever it is that is happening, whatever chaos, confusion, whatever thing you're going in your life. If, if he is pleased with you, he will bring you into the land that he has promised. You know, so that kind of begs the question, what are you doing to be able to find his delight so that he can find his delight in you? And, you know, the next line that he says is, only rebel not against the Lord. Don't rebel. Don't fight back. But make yourself available for him to, Lord, I, I don't like it. You know, this was said a few times by a few. You know, we don't have to like the dealing of the Lord. We, but don't fight it. Allow him to mold you into what he is trying to bring out of our circumstances to fulfill his work. If he delights in you, if he is pleased with you, he will bring us in and he will complete the work. So, you know, what are we doing? What am I doing to make sure that God is pleased with how I'm acting? Am I being kind? Am I responding to his work? Am I continuing to come back to him so that, you know, God, I can't do this. I don't know how to. And I want to react, but you're able to put the right stuff in me to conform me into the image that you're trying to bring forth in us. Because that's what it is all about. He's conforming us and bringing us into the image that he wants for all of us. So, amen. Thank you for sharing and for being prepared. All right. Any uh, communications? <clears throat> all right well Lord we thank you for this evening we thank you Lord for your faithfulness thank you for your hand upon us we ask you Lord to continue to strengthen all the the different circumstances here Lord all, all those who are fighting uh, for their life for situations lord we ask you for your help and we thank you that most of all you're with us that you don't leave us and that you're 
aware of every circumstance, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for your presence. In your name we pray. Amen.